Well, we're, go we're good tonight. That thing's loud. <laughs> Makes me six foot tall. I'll go for 5'8", five, 5'10". Five, 5'7". How many glad you're saved today? Amen. Praise the Lord for you service people. Amen. And uh, my dad was in the uh, Army Air Corps, pre-Air Force. He was too short to fly, I guess, but he ran that, those towers. He said he was a conner, conning tower, whatever that, you know, cons guys into flying without seeing anything, but anyway. But I'm so glad, I, Pastor Hanks, you remembered the trauma of going to the, my first soccer practice. But, you know, it, does, it wasn't what you thought it was. Is that correct? Now, there's a term for that, and I can't really pronounce it, but we're, you start going one way, yet the thing turns out completely another, okay? And today's sermon may do that, but uh, like where there's a will, that's where I want to be. Uh, I mean, a financial will. <laughs> let it sink in, let it marinate. Okay, here we go, we're awake. Uh, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. Since uh, light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. <laughs> if I agreed with you, <laughs> we'd both be wrong. <laughs> Told my mother-in-law that last week and she hadn't let me in the house since, but <laughs> war does not determine who is right, only who's left. Amen. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in the fruit salad. I didn't say I, it was your fault. I'm just saying I'm blaming you. <laughs> All right, now, preacher, it starts out one way, then goes another. You know, we started telling that story this morning. I remembered a little bit of that, and, and I do remember they wouldn't yet to play. Yet every time I watch a professional basketball game or, or soccer game, and guys even playing football, they all got a bunch of tights on, you know. And they're just tight pants is all they are, trousers. So you started this fad way back in the 80s, all right. And, uh, but I felt so bad for him, but he was so gracious. And no wonder you're so happy about that thing. And, amen. So praise the Lord. That, and I knew his dad uh, the last time I went to a ball game with his father. If you didn't, haven't heard this story, his dad got me kicked out of a gymnasium. And I was in charge of the school that I got kicked out of. His dad is here, and your dad's a monster, right? Who's that big Cajun guy? Is he still alive? That, what's his name? Yeah, I don't, I don't. Is he still alive or no? Okay, and then Keith Gomez. Remember them? I mean, Keith was a big boy back in those days, and I'm sitting there, and these men are there watching you play basketball. And some guy, he takes uh, Pastor Hank so, uh, from uh, Indiana University, Fort Wayne or somewhere, and just slammed you against the wall. I'm sitting there, your dad yells, Gomez yells, and I'm the one that writes the checks for all the referees refereeing the game. The referee, I'm the smallest little chipmunk between these two giant men, turns and said, what did you say? I said, I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. Who said that? And your dad goes, <laughs> I got kicked out of the gym. I don't know if you remember that or not. I had to leave. You know, dean of students of a Christian school, the student body's watching there, and I walk out like, oh my goodness. So, 
Uh, we go way back with the Hankses. Praise the Lord. Hey, get in your Bibles with me uh, today. If you want to hear the rest of that story, you have to come to church tonight or on Wednesday night. All right. Let's get in our Bibles. Are you there yet? How about uh, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to catch up with you in just a moment. I am honored to be here to speak to you. I look forward to this every year. I'm 68 years of age and Pastor Hank spoke about being older this morning. You are young, okay? It didn't hit me till I was about 64, 65. I heard in places that I didn't know I had places, okay? And uh, <clears throat> I've been watching what I've been eating ever since and uh, that time, but boy, I woke up about four years ago stiff. Am I the only guy that did that? Anybody else wake up stiff in here? Some of you look pretty stiff. All right. <laughs> You'll get over it. But anyway, uh, let's get into our Bibles. And we're going to, this is a military day. This is a uh, kind of looking at the, we're a free country, amen, because of our military. But let's go way back here and going to talk about David this morning. And I had another message on my mind, but the Lord wanted this one. And I want us to take a look at 1 Samuel 17. And let's start, uh, let's just start in verse 32 and I'll read till I get tired. Okay, and then we'll go from there. And David said unto Saul, now you've got to understand, there's a battle going on. Philistines, the bad guys against the good guys. It's, it's the giant against the whole army. And that giant for 39 days has come out and cussed and swore and made fun of God. All right, and I've watched enough of, and you know, I'm like you, preacher. I turned Fox News off about 18, 19 months ago. You know, when I found out, I was up in the Amish country preaching, and nobody, you ever hear of an Amish person getting COVID? No one, none of them ever did. So I asked this Amish lady that was serving me, how come you all didn't get COVID? She said, no, none of us got COVID. I said, how did that work? None of us owns a TV. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just saying, you know, you know, and, uh, uh, it's more to that than you think, amen? And I watched churches and have traveled in 40 meetings, weeks of meetings this year. Unless independent, a fundamental Bible-believing King James Baptist people are more unindated, we are more manipulated, we're, we're more incensed by the news than we want to let on, amen? You sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody, they'll tell you what they're listening to, all right? A lot of them ain't listening to God's word. Hey, it said there's going to be a great falling away, amen? But we're on the right team, aren't you? Now, if you're not saved today, I hope you come and trust Christ, your personal Savior. That was free. That wasn't part of my message. Look at verse 32. Now, David said unto Saul, let no man's heart fail thee because of him. That's that Goliath, that terrible giant. Does anybody know what Goliath means? Most people says big and monster and huge. No, no, no. It means this, accuser of what you are. All right. Now, think about that when you study this out. Accuser. He accuses the nation of Israel that you're a bunch of wimps. Oh, you may have some uniforms on. There's nobody so down with me in 39 days. I've come out here from my, uh, my army and I've yelled at you guys and called the God of heaven every name in the book. You just can't stand there and look at me because you're afraid. Send your champion out. He takes me down. We'll follow you guys. I take you down. You're going to worship our guys. Got that? Any takers? And all of them hiding behind the bushes and the stones. David's brothers is amongst them, so Saul. And David walks into this situation and he sees this and he said this, let no man's heart fail him because of, the, uh, because of him, Goliath, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for thou art a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, 
Thy servant kept both his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of his uh, out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of the mouth. And when he was arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the uh, the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath delivered uh, the armies of the he has uh, defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the pole of the lion and out of the pole of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. In the book of Acts, it says, David served his own generation by the will of God. And God used a burning bush to get Moses' attention to get a nation across the Red Sea. And God used a, a, a lad and had his attention to, to save his army from annihilation at this point in Israel's history. And I want you and I to think of the following thought here. He says, thy servant will go in verse 32. If you'd underline that. <coughs> he volunteered for the army. He was recruited for the army. He didn't sign a piece of paper. He didn't take a physical. He was going to go take that giant down. But there's a problem going on here. David's determination to love God and show it. David's brothers was raised in the same home. David's brothers was in the same area. They were all part of this army. And for 39 days, you can rewind the tape if you want to, please. Go to chapter 17 and verse 2. And, the Saul, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and the uh, Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, the accuser. You can write that in there. He, he, he was accusing those guys of being non-fighters. Oh, they all had their uniforms on, but for 39 days, no one did anything. And uh, when that champion came out of the camp of the Philistines, his name was Goliath of Gath, was height of six cubits in a span. That's big. I don't know how big that exactly that is, but that's big, all right? A little bigger than five foot seven. Okay, I think David was not quite my height at that time. He was a teenager. And uh, he wasn't that old. You study this narrative here, he wasn't that wise yet. <laughs> but he had a heart for God. All God's people said? If you have a heart for God, you're not standing around the bushes. You get out there and get doing something. You may not know what you're going after or what you're going to, but God will put an angst in you. The Holy Spirit will put an angst on you to do something for him. And in this pandemic that we've been living in, most of our independent Baptist churches have been gerbling, kind of gerbling. You know what gerbling is? How many know what a gerbil is? You put a round wheel in their cage, get little wires on them, what do they do? Go around circles, just not going anywhere. They look like they're getting in shape, but they're not doing anything except eating, sleeping, and going around in circles. And that's not getting a whole lot done, amen? So what I want us to do today is speak about what David did here as a soldier in God's army, what he did as a teenager, and he volunteered for this. Her name is Mary Stranger. She just was in Papua New Guinea uh, years before I was there. Preacher, I met her for the first time. I thought she was dead. She's still alive. She was at the conference down in Texas. She comes out, little lady about five foot tall, and she looks at me. She said, ah, me Adam talk pigeon lick lick. You savvy neck belong me now. Ah, me savvy all get She knew I was from New Guinea. And uh, 
And I said, what's your name? She said, I'm, I'm Mary. Mary who? Stringer. Oh, my goodness. I got down on one knee. I mean, she's a big kahuna in that part of the world. Do you ever hear her life story? If you haven't preached, you need to bring her in. Independent Baptist. Back in 1960-something, uh, uh, God called her to go to, to, to New Guinea on the Erie and Java side to be a missionary, and she couldn't pass a, 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 a theological test. A Tennessee Temple graduate. She didn't do good on her test in theology, and she couldn't get approved by this mission board or that other mission board, so she got a farm kind of halfway given to her, and she sold it and sold the cows and went to the mission field. Amen. The headhunters in the mountain of Erie and Java and make a long story short, they tried to talk her out of it, but she knew God had called her. She had a good heart, and, a, and, and she had some training. She just wasn't good on her feet theologically, but she said God had led her to go write a, uh, write a Bible in this, this tribe's language of headhunters. As she's flying in, she's on the last helicopter. They're going to lower in a basket from Chevron Oil Company. And the pilot of that helicopter tried to talk her out of it. And he said, they're headhunters, you'll never come back. She says, sir, it's not that I have to come back, but God put it in my heart Amen. that I have to go. Right. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not lifting her up as much as I am, the, 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 as I unwrap this message. David had to take Goliath on because God had made him that way. God had got a hold of his heart, a heart after God's own heart. Who would like to have that put behind your epitaph? Hey, not bright, not tall, not smart, not rich, but a man that was after God's own heart. Amen. Two thoughts this morning of this chapter 17. I want you to stay parked there for a few minutes. Two things are going on. Here's what they are. Very basic. Number one, why did not the soldiers answer the call of recruitment to take down Goliath? Second thought, is why did David answer the call, all right, to the recruitment? Let's get in our Bible and take a look at this and apply it to our own lives this morning. And I pray today, if you're here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll come trust him as your personal savior. But I'm preaching to a church this morning that most of you are saved, know Christ as your savior. And the first thought I want to do is this, why did they not answer the call? You see, the Bible is very clear down in verse 25. And all the men of Israel told David when they saw the man, they fled from him, Goliath, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you not seen this man as they talked to David? He's come up surely to defy Israel. He come up, and that shall be that the man that killeth him, the king will enrich him with riches, great riches. See, you get the money. Get that credit card, amen. Get that open bank account. And we'll give him his daughter. Oh, my goodness, you get to marry the family. All right, get to marry the money, all right, and make his father's house free in Israel. Don't have to pay taxes any longer. It's over, all right. Now, my mom would kick me to the front of the line about right there, all right. No taxes. Now, I want you to catch this. What, what stopped these soldiers? Not one of them would step up when this was offered to them. And I, want to, I wrote down three things. I want you to see. Here's the first one. Catch it very quickly with me. Number one. They spent too much time in enemy assessment. The more they looked at Goliath, the bigger he got. They had that grasshopper vision, just like God wants us all to get. When God calls somebody to the mission field, when God calls somebody to ministry, somebody calls any, anything to do something for him, we always start, start counting the cost, do we not? Oh, no, we're Americans. 
Well, sometimes we weigh, well, what are we going to lose if we do what God wants us to do? When it should be, here my Lord, send me. That is nothing. Pastor, you touched on that a little bit this morning. They, I want you to catch this. The more they talked about Goliath, he got too big to fight. How do you know that, preacher? Take a look what Samuel writes here. Look with me in verse 4. Look what he calls uh, of chapter 17. They are a, a, a champion. Man, he's a champion. He's a, he's a big man. He's, a, he's, a, uh, the big, uh, the, he's got the belt. Uh, he's the world. He's the strongest man in the world. Look at verse 5. He's got a helmet of brass, all right, and a coat of steel. Uh, I want you to understand this. And the helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 500,000 uh, shekels of brass. You know, my daughter read that as a six-year-old. She said, that's a lot of envelopes, Dad. And I said, no, no, that's not what it's saying there. I want you to catch this with me. This was a big dude. He was powerful. He wasn't just a, a, a fighter, and it wasn't just for winning up, picking up a trophy and taking home a check. Every time they fought, it was life and death. Look what it says in verse 6. Legs protected. Now, he looked like a giant robot coming at you. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and the target of brass between his shoulders and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. He had so much stuff, he had to have a guy carry his shield for him. You know, they're going to chuck a spear at Goliath and he had this guy run out there in front and pick up a shield, you know, or throw it up there to him and he could get it and fend off the bad guys. He was a champion. And the more they looked at him... He was too tall, he was too big, he was too strong. And we're nothing. God would never use us, so we're just going to go over here and hide behind the bushes because he's too big, he's too strong, he's too powerful. And 39 days, not one person stepped forward, and I'm not either. Saul says this, hey, I'll give you all the money you want. You talk about winning the lotto, I'm going to give you all the money you want. How about that? No, well, what else you got? How about this? You get to marry my daughter. And she's a pretty, you know, she was not run over with an ugly stick, but she's a pretty good-looking girl. And all the perks, she'd get all the perks, man. Get the parking spots. Get your maintenance on your uh, mules and camels done free, chewing and all that. Hey, you don't have to pay for air conditioning. We don't have it. We don't have to pay for rent. And Hey, you're, the, you're going to marry the king's clan here now. And I, that won't work. Okay, I'll get your mom and dad on my side. If your son steps up and takes him on and kills him and he wins, you all never have to pay taxes anymore. Hey, if you are a smith in here today or related to a smith, could you raise your hand? Way up high, there's some smiths in here. Okay, you go fight for the smiths and if you win, none of us pay taxes again. Right, smiths? Right. But he's the one that's going to do the fighting. Not one person stepped up. You know, as I travel and preach and been in the ministry almost 40, be 47 years this trip, I've talked to thousands of college students, thousands of young married couples. I run about 300 couples in missions a year through BIMI to vet them. Only about a third of them actually get through maybe a fourth because they keep counting the cost. And uh, no, we're not a used car sailing. God's ministry is not something that you, you, know, you play checkers over or you got to think it all through. How much you're going to get? How's the benefits? What's, what's wrong with the diseases there? You know, there's so many diseases. No, how many's ever heard of no seams in here? New, in New Guinea, they got no seams. They're in the sand, stand, you don't, uh, sand, you don't see them. They crawl up in you and on you and around you. And about midnight, they start chewing on you. You can't see them, but you got your, oh man, I got to do something here. All right. And then they have snakes. 
I've had people come from the States and want to go to, to Papua New Guinea when they found out, saw the first python or anaconda or uh, these uh, black popwin snakes, very poisonous. They said God called them to go a, co a cold climate. I'm just telling you, I'm not making this up. I have dealt with it. Where mothers would say, I'm not going there. My husband wants to go, but if they don't have air conditioning, I ain't going. Now, I'm telling you what, at least they're honest, but they'll never, they'll never take on the devil's bunch. Oh, they'll be around, they'll, they'll be around it, and they'll be close to it, but they'll never, ever get involved. Listen carefully. Number two, second reason why they didn't answer the call of recruitment to take down Goliath is this, they, they thought they were already involved. Amen? Now watch this. Uh, who's got a King James Bible? Can you put that up for me? Amen, boy. Amen, isn't that good? That doesn't mean you're involved. I memorized 100 verses this last year. That doesn't mean you're involved. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Keep it in mind. I want you to understand this second thought here. Look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 17. It says they were, the battle was set in array. Man, that means they're lined up. They're ready to go after each other, okay? Look at verse 19. Now, they're lined up to go in verse 2, verse 19. Now, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Oh, really? Not yet. They may have thought they were, but they're getting their fighting, right? Well, let's drop down the next. Look, look at verse 20. Look at verse 21 here. And the Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. They're lining up, getting ready to blow the whistle to start the game, right? Right. Verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion and the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. He's yelling and screaming. Guys are ready to fight right before dark. Nobody steps out for Israel and what happens? They all go home. Battle's in array. Flags up. Swords ready. Spears. Oh no, there he comes. Boom. Boom. Giants make soundtracks, right? Boom. Yells about Israel. Defame God's name. Come and kill me. Kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me. Come fight me, you bunch of losers, 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 losers. Your God is no good. You won't even defend him. Yet you say you're in his army. You are nothing. Watch this. Losers. Why are you running? Where did they all go? into the bushes, into the rocks, cowering. They probably look pretty good walking away from the battle, got their uniforms on. Well, at least we didn't get our swords dirty, you know. Didn't have to put our mask on. <laughs> I say that out loud. Hey, hey, uh, uh, we look good. We've complied. Man, and David even brought money and food for his brothers in the army and they all had their uniforms on there and they all looked real good because it's in the army and they thought that's all they're supposed to be just dress up and look sharp and you're really doing something are you kidding me are you kidding me that's what we've come to today are you listening they didn't answer the call of recruitment because they already thought 
they was going as far as God would want them to go. Folks, God wants so much for it. I love it when somebody gets saved. <laughs> they don't have a lot of pre-church baggage back here, preacher. And then you disciple them. Then you get them in the church. Then you bring them along. And they just start pulling like a horse in a trace with the other horses. And they start doing something for God. And they don't know you're just supposed to sit around and look sweet. They get out there and start knocking on doors. They get out there and start sweeping floors. I'm telling you what, God blesses that thing, amen. See, we've hit Main Street. How do you know that, preacher? Because I was here in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And I've seen the, ooh, the atrophy of the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Just because we all look like we're in the army. We're getting close to the thing but there's so much more that we can do. Here's a third reason why they didn't answer the call of recruitment. That is this. They were objects of low motivation. What do you mean by that, preacher? There's no value on this. Look at that third thought here. Now, before I get into David, is this. Look what it says in verse 24. They told David, and the men, all, all of the men, not just one or two, hey, David, it's the whole army. We've been offered the money. We've been offered the uh, girl, the daughter. We've been offered taxes. But there ain't none of them. That guy is huge. Did you see that forearm? Did you see his beard? Did you see his haircut? Did you see his brass? Whoa, is he decked out. My goodness. Yeah, whoa. And you know, uh, but they said uh, all the money and all the girls and all the free taxes in this world is not worth dying for our nation. I didn't say God. Up to this point, the only guy that mentioned God in our story is Goliath. You don't hear Saul. You don't hear the brothers. You don't hear the reporters. And David's the first one to call his name out. You have to let this be. As one preacher preaches, it's not real till this becomes personal. And this wasn't personal to these soldiers. And you know, he was too big to fight. We're, we're not going to go fight. I mean, man, I want to live and I don't have a chance. All the money, all the girls, all the free taxes, all the perks, it means nothing to me. And I want to let you know this morning, God has so much for us but we got to lose this mentality. What are we going to get out of it? Then David shows up. Second thought, why did David answer the call of recruitment? Let's look very quickly. Number one, the, the first reason David uh, answered the call of recruitment, he says there, you know, of course, that famous verse, is there not a cause? And he says in verse 32 that, that, that I servant will go and I'll take on this Philistine. Why did he answer the call? Uh, number one is this, the issue was not, uh, the issue, he realized God was the issue and not Goliath. Let me say it again. He realized God was the issue, not Goliath. And watch this. The first group of guys, Goliath was too big to fight. In David's heart and mind, <laughs> this is so cool, he's too big to miss in the fight. Greater is he that than you that he is in the world. I have prepared you. I have made you a peculiar people. I put this in you and you will do good and you will do right and I will add to you and add to you and add to you. All God's people said, man, Easier said than done, DeLong. David walks in there. I don't care how big that guy is. 
look what he says here. We talk about it. He, he realized in verse 46 and verse 47, look what it says in our text here. This day will the Lord deliver thee, this is David talking to Goliath, to my hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. Now give the carcasses of the host to the Philistines this day and to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in, in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword nor spear nor with uh, for the battles of the Lord's and he will give it give you into our hands. Amen? Amen. Now he's been coming out every day Goliath had, yelling and screaming. God, this, our soldiers been running and hiding and David sees him for the first time that, that afternoon and he said, I can take that guy down and I, I'll go fight that guy because I, I'll tell you what, he's a big boy and he says he's never gonna bow down to the God of heaven. He ain't gonna bow down to anybody, but I'll tell you what, I can fling this sling a little bit here. Don't have my stones yet, but I'll tell you what, I can fling this, I think hey, I can take him out. No, he, he knows he could take him out. He wanted to take him out. He had this angst in him. He had this, this power of God in him because he had a heart that sought after God's word. Watch this. God's will, watch it closer, and God's way of doing things. You memorize scripture here. This, this, this ministry is known for it. You put out scripture, 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 because Pastor Hanks believes in God's word, done in God's will, according to God's way, will always bring a victory. Amen? Number two, why did he answer the call of recruitment? It gets better. I want you to catch this. I want you to let it sink in, is David had a servant's heart. Man, we live in a society, we're going to get, <laughs> man, I wish I was an illegal immigrant. If you are one, I'm sorry. I just, I want to get $450,000 walking across that border. I was down there in Austin. I just wanted to go south with Gino Sharp, a couple guys that went to school with you, and just drop me off in Mexico. I'll walk back across, you know, with a pair of sneakers and flip-flops on the backpack, and Take my wife, and I'll probably get 950. I, mean, I get not, almost a million dollars for doing that. Now, that's never going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just watch. And I, I, I'm telling you, the world's went upside down, has it not? People are closing back, are they not? People are not knocking on doors anymore. We're living in fear. Hey, we need to get past that, stand up, stiffen up, and go out and do something for God. Get a backbone. Amen. What do you mean, a religious backbone again? Well, what will people think? God doesn't care. He cares what you think. Ask Paul about that this morning. Not one person would stand up for Paul, and he was the only one right in the story. Is that true? He had people walk away from him right in the middle of his ministry, but he always kept that relationship right with God. Now I want you to understand, David had a servant's heart. Look what he calls himself in chapter 17 and verse 32, thy servant will go. Look what he says in verse 34, thy servant kept. Look at verse 36, thy servant slew. Turn me loose, king. Let me go. I'm telling you what, just show me to him. Please let me go out and fight him. No, King Saul said, go ahead, son, but you ain't got much to you. And David said, thy servant will go, thy servant kept, thy servant slew, and God is looking for, and God is calling to, and God wants us to be that type of person that'll step out with a servant's heart. Don't worry about what's gonna happen. Worry about what God's gonna do through you. He's gotta do it to you, and then through you, and he'll do it for all of us. Number three, David answered the call of recruitment thoroughly because of past accomplishments. How many know Christ is your personal savior? How many when you got saved, you still had a little 
kind of, I didn't know you had a different feeling in here, <laughs> okay? But you had trouble stopping smoking and drinking and chewing and all that stuff. Just me, I didn't drink or smoke or chew, but boy, I could cuss like the Navy. I got over that in about six, eight weeks. I had a twin brother lose his temper a lot. It took him about six years to get over that. But we got through it. And I want you to understand something. I know when a person gets saved and you grow in the Lord, I want you to catch this third thought. You'll answer the call of recruitment. Let's think what God's done. He saved you. He, is, he has baptized. You got baptized. You have learned God's word. And he's given you, I don't want to get in front of myself here, given you a wonderful opportunity in this church to minister for him. Amen. Don't ever forget what God's done for you. Whether you're saved at the age of five or six like my wife or, 16 or 17 like I was, don't ever forget what God's done for you. And you'll always say, you know what? My faith needs to get a little deeper. My surface needs to get a little wider because my God has done so much for me. You know, he says, listen, Saul, I took down a lion and I took down a bear. What is this uncircumcised Philistine? Look what it says in chapter 17 and verse 33. Let's, let's, let's start the thing in verse 34. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came out a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered that out of the mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. He probably had both these hides hanging back at the house. Okay, think about that. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. Boy, he called him what he was that low down, no good, dirty Philistine uh, heathen that's calling us out. I'm just going to take him on because he keeps cussing my God out. Why hasn't anybody done anything? But I'll go do it. Look at verse 37. David said, moreover, hashtag this. The Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Isn't that something? David hadn't went across the creek of Eli yet to pick up the stones. He's a teenager. He hadn't thought this whole thing through. He just, I want to go after him. Isn't it good to have somebody with a spirit like that that never forget what God's done for you? And number three, I want to give this to you why he answered the call of recruitment. Not only past accomplishments, but number four, I mean, is this the, the last thing I want to give you. David answered the call of recruitment because he had an opportunity to do something for God. Pastor Hank, you talk about your age. You're, I met you, I was probably 40-some years old. It's been a good night. You're 52. You was probably 20 then. And I mean, my window of opportunity, folks, I used to be a good night about the size of that stage behind me. Now it's smaller than that little window right there in that door because of age. I mean, I'll be 70 next year, amen? I know I don't look at tall, dark, and handsome, but, you know, what was that about? Uh, I didn't mean that to be a funny. No, no, I'm just teasing, all right? But, uh, or am I? But here's the point. You catch this. Older folks get it better than younger ones. We don't have time like we once did. And you made a, sad, you made a subtle statement this morning. What, do, what does that mean, time? None of us know when our, our time is appointed. And I want to encourage this church because you're a good church. You know ministry. You know what I'm getting at. I can't preach this at all churches, but this is your opportunity. Grab the sling, head for the creek of Elah. Well, I just don't know what I'm Head towards the creek. I don't know what I'm going to. Just head towards the creek. Amen. My point of day. Who's in charge of the, David's time schedule? David? How about Saul? How about Samson? I mean, I, he went in that story. Goliath. What about the accuser? Who, who's in charge of all this God is? 
That little boy goes across that stream. He's walking across that stream. God, Goliath, uh, uh, Saul's giving permission to do the fighting. Put Saul's outfit on. It wouldn't fit. He couldn't even, I mean, everything's too huge. Put it aside. I'm going to go with what God's uh, trained me and prepared me to go with. I just need a sling. That's all I need. I got a little shepherd's bag right here. And it says in verse 40 of chapter 17, I'm going to go across the creek of Eli and I'm going to reach there and get five smooth stones. They're called shepherd's stones. Round as a marble. He knew how, what they looked like. He'd been trained and prepared. Now I'm telling you, he's going across that creek making a beeline for that giant, going to take him down. Did you think he ran up and down that creek for an hour looking for round stones? No, they were in his path according to God's will for his life. God had prepared the way. Do you hear me? God had prepared me. Have you heard me? And he, and he didn't prepare him to go hide behind a rock or sit down in a chair. He wanted him out there on that front line getting after it. I took down a lion. I took down a bear. I mean, I didn't want them lion and a bear to come in my life. I didn't want them to take my sheep. But man, those belonged to me. So I took them down. I took it right out of their mouth. They got mad and turned on me. Killed them both. I think I can take that big mouth down real quick. And I'll, I'll be quick about it. Saul said, go goes across that creek. I believe God Almighty put those stones right there. And that little boy reached down in there. And some people says, why, Brother Long, why did he get five smooth stones? Well, he's a typical teenager. That's probably all he could get in the bag. He just put it in there. He got all, Saul's, I know Goliath got all kind of relatives, but David's only after one head that day. The head that God put in his heart. And it was Israel, that little lamb that Goliath had in his mouth and in his grip. And God wanted to use one person. Saul should have done it. Saul's captains of the army should have done it. David's big brothers ought to have done it. But no, they did not have a heart that was right with God. He takes off towards that giant. That giant said he would never bow down. And I want you to understand, he took the opportunity when he had it. Look what it says in chapter 48, verse 48 of our chapter. It says, this, this makes this statement. It says, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew uh, to meet, uh, nigh to meet David. David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. He took thence a stone and he slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead. And, and, uh, and that uh, the stone, stone sunk into the forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. He bowed to God that day, didn't he? Now watch, it gets better. So David prevailed over the Philistine. Oh, yeah. You know, I watched a little bit of football in the airport yesterday. Teams are scoring touchdowns. Hey, high five, jumping around, you know. And, and I can see David when the giant goes down. Yeah, boom. Oh, yeah. I got him. And David's, he's a teenager. He's not going to sit there and go, well, okay. No, he got excited. And the Philistines went, oh, no. <laughs> the Jews went, oh, yeah. And they come right after them. And David's kind of standing there, and, and everybody, the fight's getting ready to get really tough right now. And he realized he'd knocked him down. But he didn't have a sword to do the rest of the story. So he got Goliath's sword. See him pulling that thing out? <laughs> and he got ahead that day, amen. Thunk. That'll sink in, and he picked that up. They all went running that way. God's army went running that way. David, God used David to save the army. God uh, used David to turn Israel back to God. He didn't let go of that head, did he? Put that thing in his tent. Come pay up time. It's me, Goliath. I mean, it's me, King Saul, Goliath's head. The girl, 
the money and no more taxes. How about that? Yeah. Sounds pretty good, right? But is that why he did it? No. That was just the benefits on top of that. To give him headaches, heartburn, and digestion later on in life. But on that day, he did exactly what God put in his heart to do. Thy servant will go. I feel there'll be a lot more missionaries. I feel there'll be a lot more workers in churches. I feel there'll be a lot more people dedicated to Christ if you'd understand to serve him, if you'd understand the opportunity God has given us in these last days. The Bible says in Acts 13, 36, and David served his generation, his own generation by the will of God. This was the lesson he was teaching them. I know he did the king and the leadership and the Psalms and all that, but this is where it really gets heated up. He's just a teenager that sold out to God and the determination that God put in his heart was an opportunity that's been written down in scriptures. Don't miss that. You know, David accepted the call of recruitment because the issue was not Goliath, but God. He accepted the call of recruitment because he had a servant's heart, had a servant's thought process. David accepted the call of recruitment because what God had done for him in the past. And lastly, he gave him the opportunity to do so. All God's people said, Amen. where's your Goliath? What's accusing you today? You know, you need to get this taken care of. What's this pointing to you? I've never done this before, preacher. I'm going to do the invitation in just a moment, but God's put on my heart to use an illustration here. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was the greatest preacher of the 1800s, the largest, one of the largest churches in the world. He didn't understand missions that well. His wife was basically an invalid the last several years of his ministry. Hudson Taylor had been in China for a few years and gotten sick. He lost a child and was going to die and come back to England to get back on his feet. At that time, he worked for the London Missionary Society, got a paycheck. While he was laid up for those three years, getting his health back, he would read the New Testament. He began to study it. And he saw this grace giving. He saw this faith promise giving. He kept notes on it. When he got back on his feet, he would preach these sermons and be at Myers Church and Spurgeon's Church and four or five other churches there in, in London. And uh, he uh, would say this, God's given you an opportunity. What are you going to do for missions? And thus the faith promise missions movement started in this world. Little did he know also, he had, uh, his, he had a goal to take 12 new missionaries with him, six families. And over that three-year period, he had recruited six families to go with him. They all thought they was going to get salaries from the London Missionary Society. <laughs> Little did he know, he wrote a letter, and he got back on his feet. He'd raised some money, enough for a year to supply, and, and he went back. Uh, he wrote a letter and told the London Missionary Society to drop all their support. But he told his friend, do not give that to them until... You, you see our sail go out of sight <laughs> on our way to, back to China. They got to China. It was there for almost eight, nine months, and all their supplies ran out. And the cook said, what, we only have a bag of rice and a couple of fish. What's, what's up? We're not getting any support. He says, we're not going to get any. We're going to live by faith. He about had a mutiny on his hand, but within a week he got a check from uh, 
The the man with the orphanage is over there, George Mueller, for seven years to take care of that orphanage. But there's another thing that was taking place in Mrs. Spurgeon's heart. She got a dozen chickens. God put it on her heart. They would sell a dozen eggs a day. One egg went for food. An egg went for water. And she took all the widows in that church and started selling eggs in the street. Went from a dozen chickens to two dozen. Got up into a hundred chickens, hundreds of chickens and hundreds of eggs. And it was like a big business really growing. And somebody in the church got turned sideways and said, she's making all this money on the side. What could it be done for Jesus? Little did they know that every widow, every person involved in this, every penny, except to buy a new chicken and pay for food, went right into the missions of Hudson Taylor. She didn't want it to come out. She didn't want it to be public. Her heart was hurt because she privately stepped out, stepped up, and when she was challenged, what opportunity you can take, yet she was an invalid. Now, if she can do that, I think you can do something too, can't you? Don't you? Mary Stryger could not pass an exam for to get into a mission board, but she's still serving God 60 years later. That mission board was wrong, amen? It's a heart thing. We look at David, his brothers was, thought he was a simpleton. The soldiers thought he was too small. The Saul was kind of, you're dumber than you look, go ahead. But God had his heart. Isn't it amazing that Christ came through his line and we lift Christ up today, the son of David. It's amazing. So the next time you want to hesitate, the next time you want to back off, Keep this thought in mind. If you're a servant of God, thy servant will go. There's no age limit. There's no IQ limit. There's no finance limit. It's just a service. Answer that call and watch God do great things. He'll take down that giant. <laughs> He'll take down that accuser. He'll take down that thing that gets after you for his honor and his glory. Father, we come to you today and thank